Society for Healthcare Epidemiology of America is proud to present this podcast, Outbreak Prevention, Current Challenges and Future Threats, as a part of Shea's Outbreak Prevention Response Week 2019. This podcast has a slightly different audience than the normal Shea podcast because it's really meant to promote the field of healthcare epidemiology, infection prevention, and antibiotic stewardship beyond the Shea membership. We hope that Shea members will help share this with their colleagues, friends, family members, and patients to really give a better idea of what it is that we do. I'm Dr. Mike Stevens, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Dr. Gonzalo Behrman. I'll give a brief intro of myself, and then I'll let Gonzalo do the same. I'm an ID physician here at Virginia Commonwealth University, an associate hospital epidemiologist, and the director of our antibiotic stewardship program. In terms of what I do with Shea, I'm a longstanding member and currently the chair of the publications committee and also sit on the guidelines committee. Thank you for that very nice introduction there. I'm Gonzalo Berman. I'm an infectious disease specialist and a hospital epidemiologist here at Virginia Commonwealth University. I also am a Shea member, and I'm currently on the Shea Executive Board or the Board of Directors. I previously have worked on various Shea committees, including the guidelines committee, which I was the chair of. Fantastic. So to start, significant progress has been made in preventing many healthcare-associated infections but hospitals must remain vigilant in identifying and maintaining infection control processes to reduce common infections and stay ahead of emerging pathogens. Every year, 700,000 inpatients in the U.S., or about 3% of all hospitalized people, suffer a healthcare-associated infection at significant cost. So I'm going to ask you some questions. That sounds good. All right. To begin with, healthcare epidemiologists and infection prevention experts are critical because they provide a specific skill set and expert guidance required in prevention. But for much of the public and even some in healthcare, the field of healthcare epidemiology is a bit of an unknown. Can you talk about the three main goals that you have as a hospital epidemiologist? Yes, I think in the preamble to the question you were talking about, 700,000 patients in the United States or 3% of all hospitalized patients suffering from a healthcare-associated infection. If you pause to think about that, the numbers are still really quite staggering. 3% 3% is really quite big. It, although we've made a lot of improvements over the, over the years, we wish it could be lower than that. So I guess the, the three main goals relevant to that is obviously to further reduce the risk of healthcare-associated infections. That's done through really three ways, in my opinion. Number one is trying to maximally implement what we know should be done or what risk reduction interventions we know will work implementing those in real-world scenarios across a diversity of, of hospital settings to scale. So that's a real challenge, and it's really one of the major goals. Our goal number two is to really advance the science of infection prevention so that we learn more about how to control and prevent infections so that we can later implement that to scale and further reduce the risk of infections. And goal number three is to really raise awareness and train the next generation of hospital epidemiologists and people interested in infection control and infection preventionists to further that mission and to help us in that goal towards higher reliability and risk reduction. That's great. That's a fantastic perspective. We're lucky at VCU because we're well-resourced and well-supported by hospital administration but I know many of our colleagues struggle with this. What are the benefits of being well-resourced that you see as the compelling reason to fund this area? Well, you're right that we're very lucky at VCU to have the kind of support and the trust and the value by the administration the way that we are. 
and to give a little historical perspective, you know, VCU has, has a long history of infection prevention excellence, going back to Glenn Mayhall, the original author of infection control textbooks. And of course, Richard Wenzel, Michael Edmund were here. And then our group, we're kind of like the fourth generation, I think, as I've said before. So we kind of inherited all those programs over the years from people that were really high achieving infection prevention. With that, it leads to an awareness of infection prevention at VCU, a also national awareness of the program that we'll try to do here. And last but not least, and this may be the most important for us locally, is that it leads to a kind of respect from hospital administration leaders of the mission and of our accomplishments. And with that comes additional resources. And the benefits of, of having additional resources is the more resources you have, and the more successes you have, it's kind of that success begets more success. It's a process that continues to grow. That's great. When most people think about outbreaks, they immediately think of the movies and people in Tyvek suits investigating mysterious illnesses in often remote parts of the world. But outbreaks come in many different ways. Can you talk about an outbreak or a potential outbreak you've had to investigate or monitor in your role along with the team and making sure patients are safe? You're absolutely correct that outbreaks come in many different ways. And I would say the majority of outbreaks with healthcare settings are not that glamorous, made for television, sexy thing that's going to get a lot of attention. It's actually something that's much more mundane, that you have an increase in either staphylococcal infections or certain kinds of gram-negative rod infections or bacterial infections in the unit. And it's not going to be something that's going to resonate with the majority of the public. But what, what's important is that, that we apply the appropriate epidemiology assessment principles, outbreak investigation tools to correct that and also to implement the safety strategies that are going to prevent that from either, either happening again or propagating even further. In terms of recent outbreaks, and I've been here since 2003, we're very fortunate we've not had a significant outbreak in BC Health since then. We're very proud of that. We've investigated some things that we thought may have been an outbreak. Uh, but it didn't turn out to be that way. So there's some discussion about the end of healthcare associated infections, i.e. a getting to zero program. What are your thoughts on this? Oh yeah, so we have a lot of opinions about the getting to zero program. I think it's an aspirational goal to eliminate healthcare associated infections, but I like to put that in some sort of perspective. So Mike has heard this many times and so have those that are around me, so kind of like a broken record, but to my knowledge, in the history of medicine, the only infectious disease that we have eradicated is smallpox. So to say that we're eradicating healthcare-associated infections, and that's a bit of a tall order. So what we're looking for is really trying to maximally focus on the reduction of potentially preventable healthcare-associated infections. Not all healthcare-associated infections are preventable in 2019. The science isn't quite that robust at this time. It may be in 100 years from now, 50 years, who knows. Uh, but it currently isn't. So our goal is really to be clear on what we can expect. You know, perhaps 35, 50, 70% of healthcare associated infections are preventable. Our focus is on the maximal reduction of risk for those potentially preventable infections by maximally implementing what we know is supposed to work reliably to scale. And that's really should be the focus. Otherwise, I think we're misleading the public, misleading ourselves, on what we can do. Another thing I like to mention is, and this is important from a kind of a paradigm perspective, is that historically hospital infection prevention has been focused on preventing infections from exogenous or external sources, you know, the dirty hands of the healthcare worker, the invasive device, 
like things that haven't been properly sanitized or cleaned, like rooms or equipment, et cetera, et cetera, leading to an infection. That's absolutely true, and that's where most of our, our focus has been, maximal disinfection and hygiene, checklists, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a new threat on the horizon which is going to become more and more relevant is basically the internal threat of our own bacteria, such as you see with Clostridium difficile, our own microbiome being adjusted or altered by the way we use immune-modifying medications and antibiotics, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the new frontier. We, and our science is much, much less robust in understanding and controlling our own microbiome as a cause of infections. Great response. The irreducible minimum. The irreducible minimum. That's absolutely right. I think if we if we oversell, we're really betraying the public's trust because we're not being clear and honest about what we can prevent. All right. Well, great. For patients and caregivers, what do you see as the best thing they can do to protect themselves before or during a hospital stay? The best thing you can do to protect yourself from a hospital acquired infection is not get hospitalized. That's the absolute best thing. But if you must be hospitalized, I would say you try to get out of there as soon as feasible. Uh, certainly uh, have uh, as few devices as necessary. Uh, encourage healthcare workers to wash their hands. Encourage your family, if they're going to come in and spend time with you, to wash their hands and before they touch any devices or hug you, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that the role that the, the patient can play is probably not as much as we wish it could be. Patients can be vocal, but I've seen that patients also are less likely to be vocal because they feel uncomfortable about saying something to their providers, which is too bad. Great advice for sure. So how can SHEA support healthcare members, infection preventionists, hospital epidemiologists with outbreak preparedness? So there are multiple ways. First of all, SHEA continues to raise awareness about the importance of preventing hospital acquired infections, the burden and the impact of it. But SHEA also has, a, has an educational role. And for healthcare workers who actually have an interest in this particular area or this area of medical practice, if you will, Shea has an education and training courses for those that are interested in this, that are intense courses, but where you learn the principles of epidemiology, outbreak control, understanding outbreaks, outbreak interventions, in addition to that, communicating outbreak, communicating risk, communicating with colleagues, communicating with the public. It's really important. Uh, there is a the Shea Outbreak Response Training Program. I think we call it the ORTP. That's the one really that's available. You can uh, register online and I would certainly encourage it. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a terrific resource that was created in collaboration with the CDC. And this, you can find out more on the Shea website. So Absolutely. it's a terrific resource for folks. All right. And finally, what's the best part about being involved in healthcare epidemiology? What's the best part? You know, I would say what I like the most about being involved in healthcare epidemiology is that it allows me to look at practice of medicine or practice medicine, I should say, in a different perspective. For example, you and I, Mike, we were both trained in medical school and we're infectious disease consultants and we see a lot of patients in the hospital and the clinics, but that's seeing patients on a one-to-one -one level, right? That's the classic doctor-patient relationship. With healthcare epidemiology, you can still have a huge impact on patients but not at the doctor-patient relationship on one-on-one. -on -one. You're actually doing it under the lens and the perspective of public health, which I think is really important because now we look at problems and issues and challenges from a public health perspective, saying what can we do that would be best for a population? And with the resources we have, what can we best institute, implement, adjust, modify, such that that population is safer, 
and gets higher quality care in the hospital and we avert bad things, consequences such as hospital court infections. So it really allows epidemiologists who spend time both as clinicians and also as public health personnel dealing with uh, medical conditions or medical issues on the one-on-one -on -one level and also on the population level. That's really exciting. That's really exciting. It's broad and exciting. Gonzalo, thanks for joining me today and sharing your perspectives and experiences. You really went through a lot of great information. In the show notes, there's a link to an editorial you wrote with Dr. Richard Wenzel, yeah. another giant in the field of hospital epidemiology. There's a lot of great information there, so hopefully people can take a look at that. You really brought up a lot of key things, but it sounds like most of what we do, the best thing is to prevent infections, and so hopefully the majority of our time is spent doing that as opposed to right. investigating outbreaks. Right, if we focus on what we know works and implement these risk reduction interventions to scale reliably, we can essentially avert most, if not all, of the outbreaks, and that's the goal. Making the outbreaks fewer and fewer in frequency. That's terrific. Uh, and another key theme that was brought up is training the next generation, but yeah. then also resources for education uh, and you brought up the ORTP VSA, which I think is also, you know, a great resource. Absolutely. Now more than ever, these resources are available. Essentially, you can sit at your, at your computer, on your couch at home, and really access this high-quality material. Oh, great. Terrific. One of the things you talk about in your editorial is some of the challenges in recruiting new infectious disease physicians. Yeah. Uh, you know, a subset of those physicians practice hospital epidemiology. Having a community that can support you when you're doing frontline epidemiology, I think is a wonderful thing. So I, yeah, absolutely. So a community that supports the frontline epidemiologists, and you said, Mike, they're becoming fewer and fewer number because of the scarcity or looming shortage of infectious disease specialists, but also that generates ongoing enthusiasm about what we do. So we continue to get those handful of high quality graduates who want to pursue not only infectious disease, but the subspecialty of hospital infection prevention within infectious disease. Well, fantastic. So if you want to learn more, go check out the editorial and we'll close this podcast. We hope you'll join us at the sixth International Conference on Healthcare Associated Infections, the Decennial 2020. This conference will be held in Atlanta, Georgia from March 26th to the 30th and is co-hosted by Shea and the CDC. And registration opened this week. So log in and sign up. All right. All right. Join Shea. Everyone's doing it, right? There you go. Everyone's doing it. You can find out more at www.decennial2020.org. And this concludes this podcast on outbreak prevention, current challenges, and future threats. Enjoy it. Thank you very much.